Want to become successful in your personal and professional life? Learn the secrets of success, how to build atomic habits for improved productivity and develop a growth mindset with me, your mindset and success coach, Omar Qadri, and my fabulous guests that range from CEOs, entrepreneurs, life coaches, sports coaches, international sports athletes, and researchers right here on your favorite show called The Secrets of Greatness. So hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of this series, Secrets of Greatness. This is the first time we are going to be doing a live interview on Instagram. Yes, and I have a very, very special guest with me today on this show for the first time for our live session, Adil. Thank you so much. Let me give an introduction of Adil. Adil is the founder of the number one Toronto Basketball Academy in Canada. And he is also a former NCAA basketball coach. And he is here to tell you an incredible story. And when I heard his story, I was so inspired that I thought, you know what? There's no way in hell I'm going to let this story go. And there, he, there, he needs to be given a platform to really showcase his story. And I'm so glad Adil, you agreed to doing this, and I can't wait to share your story with the whole world. I'm not going to tell anybody what that story is. I want the audience to hear directly from the source. That is you. So Adil, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. And I appreciate those kind words too. (laughs) The pleasure is all mine. The pleasure is seriously all mine. Adil, let's start off by asking you a very simple question, right? Let's take it from the beginning. You were last year, for those people who have just joined us, Adil's here with us. He's a former NCAA coach for the Chicago Chicago State University. And it has been a very, very interesting journey for him, right? And um, I'm just so excited for you to tell your story from the beginning. How did you start? Where did you begin and how the hell did you end up being a coach for the NCA? That's just amazing. So tell us right from the beginning. You moved to Canada in 99. Let's go from there. Uh, I think it began, uh, you know, with this. Um, it began at lunchtime at recess. Um, I remember we used to play this game called Elimination. Elimination. And, um, and, and every time I'd be the last guy out. So that meant... Um, I didn't really have an opportunity to move on. Uh, and uh-huh. I made it my goal to always, you know, try to get ahead of somebody else. Um, and, you know, it took some time, but it is, it, is, it is during recess and lunchtime when I found, you know, my passion for the game of basketball. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you know, I had an opportunity to play, you know, high school basketball, uh, played some college basketball. Uh, you know, I had a career laced with injuries, had a chance to live, play a little bit overseas. And then I think uh, it was a blessing in disguise. Uh, it was a blessing in disguise in the sense that, you know, I still wanted to be involved in the game. I loved the game yeah. so much um, that, you know, I think naturally I just, you know, started off just wanting to train some guys. Uh, I used to do some skill development. Yeah. Uh, and then from there we started like an AAU rep traveling program and then, you know, a, a high performance high school basketball program. 
and then from there my opportunities as a coach also took off and you know I had an opportunity to coach at Ryerson you know uh, in Toronto uh, went south of the border um, yeah. first Daytona State College in Florida and then more in Florida in Chicago that's amazing man you i think you're being very very humble right now because you still have to share with and i'm going to i'm going to dig deeper because i know you and i in our previous conversation we dug a little deeper into the real you of how you know you really sorry i know you're being very very humble right now but i think it's important for all of us to know when you started off when you first moved to canada you know i'm going to take it back to uh, your high school days right in your high school days you were a little bit of a troublemaker right <laughs> let's talk about that what, what what was happening at that time where was adil at that point in his um, in 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 his journey as a young boy in uh, in high school and i believe you said what 20 something times getting suspended yeah. 20 times getting suspended in grade, grade 8 or 9 that was just in grade 9 And I think I think it, it it is partly attributed to the fact that um, I grew up next to a Pride neighborhood. Uh-huh. We have about thirteen Pride neighborhoods in the city of Toronto. These are basically small pockets of uh, communities that have um, you know uh, in income inequalities, notorious uh, not, notoriety for you know being you know more volatile neighborhoods. Right. Um, and I think you know just the energy that I had around me you know wasn't conducive to me you know mm. as a student athlete. um you know i was really passionate uh you know in grade 9 you know i was also around uh with with not you know i i didn't have the best friends yeah so i was doing exactly what they were doing and you know the result was that you know the, my the energy, result was suspension my energy my attention was misplaced and mm. you know 27 actually more than 20 could be up to 27 suspensions wow. checked, but but i was on the brink of being expelled Uh, my best friend got uh, expelled from school but they luckily gave me one more chance and I and I never looked back after that that's amazing man that's amazing i think uh, you know from where you were and how you have you know channeled that energy in you to create a more more positive outcomes for yourself in your life i think that is tremendously inspiring let's go a little bit deeper though all right mm-hmm. grade 9 you are uh, you are this troublemaker in school right and then something changes in life right something changes in life that really puts you on the right path on the path of being disciplined and being focused and i think it was the time when you made that trip back home to kashmir that's yeah. where you're originally from right you're originally yeah. from kashmir I'm so tell kashmir. us about that changing moment give us the details of what happened how did the uh, um mr troublemaker get in uh, you know you went from being the troublemaker to being super focused and super disciplined on your craft which is basketball um you know the first thing is this you know i had i had a mom who never gave up on me that's you know, you know she showed me uh you know she taught me you know the best articulation for you know love it's it's just persistence mm-hmm. i remember she would you know wake me up regardless of whether I was going to school or not and I was half the time I wasn't going to school I had more absences in my name than I had uh you know than I was present in school right um you know even if she, even if I woke up on time I was, it wasn't necessarily that I was going to school you know I could be going to a cyber cafe or I was going to the ball court or I was just going into the neighborhood so 
you know, but my mom never gave up. And she somehow convinced me to go on a trip to Kashmir in, when I was in grade 11. This is grade 11? Okay. This is grade 11. And in grade 11, uh, you know, I had a chance to meet my late, late grandmother. Mm-hmm. And I remember my late grandmother, um, you know, she, and, I, and I realized where my mom got all that love from. And she got it. And my late grandmother was just as persistent as, as my mom was. She, would, she literally took me under her wing for the month and a half that I was there. And, you know, she, she showed me an alternative perspective to life. She showed me that, you know, there's a need for me to wear the struggle on my sleeve. There's a lot more people that are, you know, that, that come from smaller means. And, you know, I had to recognize my own humble means from where I came from. And she's like, this is who you really are. And, I'm, and I vowed and I made a promise to my late grandmother that, you know, when I go back, I'd be better. Uh, you wouldn't hear these calls from my mother no more. You wouldn't hear the cries from my mother anymore. And, you know, I promised to be better. And I think when wow. I got back, it is from wow. that moment on, you know, it wasn't just that I was focused in, focused on basketball, but I was also focused in, I started being focused in school. Up until that point, you know, in my grade 12 year, I had, you know, I think I had 21 credits to my name and you need 30 in, you know, in, in Canada to graduate. So yeah. I had 21 credits to my name. And I remember, you know, my marks also were not high enough. I had failed, almost failed more classes than I had taken. I had even taken night school classes and I would fail them. And it, it was just difficult, you know, I was, I was trying my very best to fit in. Yeah. And I guess I was, I was going about it with all the wrong ways. Right. You go to Kashmir, you have that interaction, you find a, a coach, sort of a person in your, in your late grandmother, may, may, uh, may God bless her. Um, what, did she, what did she tell you? What, like what what happened in that? Like what, what how she took you under you, her wings? You said, but what exactly did she show you? What kind of perspectives did you get in Kashmir that changed said, you as a person? She she reminded me of my humble beginnings. She said, "You are an ambassador to your people, right? You're an ambassador to your people who are struggling, and right. they can't get out. You got a chance to get out, and because you have a chance to get out, make the most of this opportunity, and." You know, for every one of you, you're representing a thousand of us. Absolutely. Because, I mean, and, you know, our diaspora isn't not only as influential, but it's not as diverse. It is yeah. also, it, it, it isn't spread out like, you know, the diaspora of, you know, other uh, communities that are, you know, stuck in, you know, uh, I guess, uh, in, in these forgotten, almost yeah. forgotten conflicts. Um, you know, so, you know, she, you know, it was almost like, you know, when you fail, mm-hmm. it's almost as if a thousand or ten thousand of us are failing. Oh man! You know, there there might be you know three, four hundred, maybe a thousand families that made it out of Kashmir. So how are you, you know, being a representative or or an ambassador of us just going to, you know, you know, bring disappointment mm. to your cause and to your people? Right, and that really. Probably at a, such a young age. How old were you at that time? You said 16? 16, 17, yeah. 16, 17. At 16, 17, you're getting these powerful, powerful life lessons from your, uh, from your family, from your grandmother. And it's basically shaking, your, shaking you to your core. It's really transforming your perspective and making you feel that, oh my God, I am so, so lucky to have escaped the situation where majority of your people, the, the situation that they're facing, 
in Kashmir right now, right? Yeah. You're, you're blessed and you realize that this is my opportunity to do something good with it because I am representing my people in a, in a different part of the world. Mm-hmm. So Adil has now spent a month, month and a half in Kashmir getting coached, getting all these perspectives, transforming his uh, mindset. He comes back to Canada. What does Adil do when he comes back as a 16-year-old? And I, and I think you have to have like a process. You know, yeah. if you want to change, you can't, you, know, you can't repeat the same thing over and over again. I mean, I think Einstein said something along the lines of to the effect that you know, you're, you're pretty stupid if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and right. expecting different results. And I knew, you know, for me to be able to transform the way I, I perceive life and the way, mm-hmm. you know, you know I, I went about it. And if I was genuine in my desire to be better yeah. from all of this, then it meant I had to, you know, have a process. I had to be dedicated to that process. And right. one of the first ones was I had to remove myself from my surroundings. I had to, you know, change the friends that I had. I had to move away from the neighborhood that I was once living in. So that was, you know, a priority. You know, I can't be living at the same place, having the same surroundings, having living at, going through the same routine as I once was. Yeah. You know, I had to interrupt all that. I changed schools. I went to a different school. Um, and, you know, and from there, you know, I think the transformation, you know, started so happening. The, right. So you changed your process. You changed, and I love the fact that you quoted Einstein. I love it. He's, he's somebody I, I, I've studied really, um, really deeply, and I, I'm, I'm a big fan. And of course, a lot of people are. But um, what did you particularly change in your environment? You said you changed your school. You changed your friends. That's, that's tough. That's really, really tough, especially at that age of 16. Because Adil, I don't know, uh, you know, I feel we as human beings, we are, um, creature, uh, we are social creatures, right? We are social creatures and evolution has shown us that fact that, as, um, you know, humans as our ancestors, are thousands and thousands of years ago, our ancestors, the hunters and gatherers, the way they survived was by creating these social bonds by being in a tribe. There was always this feeling of being in tribes together, right? And that has never really left us as human beings for till, till date. We are still are those creatures who travel in tribes and we, we live in communities, there are cliques, so on and so forth. As a teenager, I know for a fact that that piece of having your support system, having your click, having your tribe is so important. How did you find the courage to let go of that and get out of your comfort zone and leave your friends behind? Change your schools, change your neighborhood to start fresh. That must have been difficult, right? I think I've recalled one of the teachings of, um, you know, our predecessors you know, and, you know, it was a shining, he was a shining example. May, may God be pleased with him. Uh, he was a shining example to follow. And I remember he said something along the lines, you can't, and this was really profound for me when I was younger. And he said, you can't expect to walk into, you know, walking through a crowd of where, you know, along the lines of, you know, uh, to the effect that you can't walk, 
you know, somewhere where, you know, it smells poorly. You can't walk through garbage and expect to come out if it's smelling good. Right. Same in the same vein that if you, you know, walk through a, you know, an environment or a store full of perfume, whether you like it or not, you're going to smell like that. Absolutely. And, and what he was trying to illustrate to us and to teach us was, be very careful for the people you surround yourself with because yeah. of whether you like it or not, and if it's whether it's in your nature or not, it very much will end up being in your nature. Absolutely. If, if you don't take Absolutely. account of the people you surround yourself with because you're a yeah. reflection of who you are surrounded yeah. with. And over and above that, I think um, the other part of it was, um, shoot, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no. You're talking about surrounding yourself in, and, and that reminded me of something, uh, you know, I truly believe in, you know, it, I, I've, I've read it many, many times and I'm sure a lot of our viewers have also heard about this. You are the average of the five people you surround yourself with or you hang out with, right? And I think that really struck with you. When you came back from Kashmir, you wanted to change and you probably realized that I cannot change until and unless I change my surroundings. I change the people I hang out with, mm -hmm. right? And you took that step. So yeah, I mean, you change me, your environment. Was, you can't have one foot in the street and one foot on the court. So I was like, Absolutely. you know, what do I like more? Do I like, you know, being, being a basketball player, an academic, or do I like being in the streets? And the answer was really simple. I enjoy being a basketball player. I don't really enjoy being in the streets. Exactly. You, was you really were simple, you know, so who do I surround myself with? Guys that have like-minded goals and like-minded uh, that have have a like-minded approach. So when I did that, you know, my 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 productivity improved, and yeah. um, you know, the and, uh, the quality of my interaction and my focus, you know. I love improved. it. I love it. That is so beautiful, man. I mean, that takes courage. That takes uh, some really some deep deep soul digging to really make those tough decisions in life. And I really hope people who are listening right now or who listen to this later on do get some inspiration from you, from the story of how you changed yourself and transformed uh, yourself in those in, in just a matter of few months and made those tough decisions. Because until and unless you are able to make those tough decisions in your life, you're not going to see the fruits of your success, right? It's good. You, you, you have to take some tough decisions, like my friend Adil did. So Adil, now you're out of this situation. You've changed your schools. You have changed your, um, your environment, your friends, your neighborhood. What's the new Adil doing? What is his new process like? What is he up to? How is he, uh, you know, improving his craft of basketball? What's up? He's catching up. He's, he's catching catch up. up. He's, he's playing, playing catch up. up. He's, he's playing catch up. He's, he's dedicated to his art. He's, he's focused more than ever before. Um, but, you know, as fate would have it, he's, a, he's at the end of the day still a brown kid. You know, what did that, and with that, it means, you know, he's, he's gifted with slow twitch muscles. And those slow, slow twitch muscles got to be trained and retrained to become fast, fast twitch muscles. And along the way, while retraining and training them to be fast twitch muscles, you know, we don't have the genetic advantage or the code to be able to, you know, <laughs> you know hold us back from injuries and, and whatnot. So, you know, I think, you know, I got an opportunity to pursue education 
you know, I, I needed to go to high school for six years. You know, I, I wow. had to, before teaching it to others, I had to embrace that growth mindset with myself. I had to love it. Make, I had to prove that it was possible with myself before I could prove that it was possible with others. So, you know, after my sixth year, you know, most most kids, you know, they go to high school for four years. I went yeah. to high school for six because I just didn't have enough credits. All my marks were in high right. university. Um, I played college basketball for a year, University of New Brunswick, University of Waterloo, uh, University of Guelph. But my career was laced with injuries and it was short-lived. I even got a chance to play a little bit overseas. But, you know, I can't quantify that experience and say I really, you know, did something. Uh, right, absolutely. But what I'm really proud of was I leveraged my opportunity as a uh, basketball player to be able to get an education that I never uh, I was going to have access to. You know, the same yeah. kid that was once, you know, struggling to pass classes was the same kid that, you know, now was regularly on the Dean's List, you know, all academic Canadian teams and, you know, more recently, you know, uh, getting President's Choice, President's Awards. Amazing. I love it. Years. So, um, you know, that transformation was, you know, it, it literally for me happened overnight. It was a cold turkey uh, transformation. It was like yeah. you know, dedicated that I, I didn't want to let myself down and let my mom down and let yeah. my family and let everyone in Kashmir down. So, And I think that was really important for you. I think it w w what I understand, it was really important for you that you are an ambassador to your people. Yeah. That I think that feeling really, really struck in your heart. And when you came back, you changed your process, you changed your environment. What was your process like? What was the new What was the new discipline Adil doing uh, playing while he was playing catch up? Right. What was your routine like? You would would you wake up early? Would you like go practice, go to school? What, what, what was that routine like before you ended up? Uh, getting the scholarship to go to uh, New Brunswick and uh, Waterloo? I think being motivated and inspired is a great start. But until and when that motivation and that inspiration doesn't translate and translate into mm. uh, discipline and consistency, yeah, you know, that is what it is. It's just inspiration and motivation. It's just a, it's just a bunch. You were, you were just happy to hear a bunch of colorful rhetoric. You were inspired yeah. by it. You heard it. And then it didn't move you to do anything more than that. But, for me, I knew I needed to create a routine. And the first routine. Part of it and what was, was that like? And what the was that first like? Part of it was not to compromise on my health. To Love sleep it. on time. To sleep. Love it. You know, before eleven thirty midnight, and to get up at the same time every day. So I got up every day at six, you know, uh, six thirty even, uh, and then I, I I went, you know, to school, which was about an hour away, and 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 we would have practice at seven seven thirty, and I would just make sure that I was at practice you know, go to school for the rest of the day. And then in the evening, I would have practice, you know, either school practice or I would shoot, on, shoot around on my own. And then yeah. at night, I would go go to my, uh, you know, uh, AAU practice. So, you know, it was it was just, a, you know, just a consistent schedule, Monday, Monday to Sunday. Monday and to Sunday, I just, 24. I just, committed, I just committed myself to it for two years. And then, you know, from there, you know, the rest is history. Bro, that is beautiful, man. I don't know. That is so inspiring to me, listening to your story, like how you did that transfer and how you created that routine. And it's a very, routines are boring. People don't appreciate routines, right? People yeah. don't see value in routines. Uh, it's it's not, so how, Same with what would you? Discipline is boring. Discipline, Same with right? 
uh, consistency it's born exactly and they say right if you want to do something really you have to be really consistent and if you want to be consistent you have to be disciplined and for discipline you need a routine it's just a hierarchy right 100%. and 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 the funny thing is there's no magic formula to this the formula is out there in the world it's just about having that motivation and uh, to uh, you know that it's something that ignites a fire inside you to and, and if i was to simplify it, then i would tell me there's something like you know you have to be inspired in your mind and that mind has to transfer uh, you know into you know spoken words it has to transfer into words and from those words it has to transfer and trans- translate into action and those actions have to translate into your character and that character uh becomes your destiny you know and we Absolutely. hear that over and over again but you know that code is really telling us you know it is one thing to be inspired and it is one thing to be yeah. disciplined i mean it is one thing to be motivated mm-hmm. but until and when that inspiration and motivation translates into discipline and um mm-hmm. consistency it is yeah. it is it's nothing it means exactly nothing. that motivation means nothing until and unless you have a process down like you did you created a process for yourself and you committed to that process right people create processes every year on the 1st of january or 31st of december people make those promises they're like yeah i'm going to follow this process for some reason or the other they fall they fall down right like they fall behind on their promises but you stuck to it you stayed disciplined because you really wanted to represent your people you really wanted to do good and and make your parents your family your country your proud right and that was that was desire for something you know you yeah. know life is not worth living if you if there's not something that worth absolutely dying. absolutely absolutely so now let's you had a process you got a scholarship for new brunswick was it yeah you know you got a new university of new brunswick and you started playing basketball there so now let's go through your journey of basketball you we have a disciplined and a focused really really focused uh, enthusiastic athlete who's you know running the mill and he's working really really hard to uh, to get to the top what happens next just in your life just lot injuries lot of oh, lots of injuries and w- when you're having these injuries and injuries i look the way i look at injuries um you know people for those who do not play sports there are obstacles in your way they're big big obstacles and they're painful they're painful people it's very easy for a lot of people to fall uh, to give up when they see these big obstacles and you saw many of these how did you overcome these obstacles and found a way around it you're you know you and 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 still stayed true to your passion of basketball and you didn't give up on it you never gave and to me that's beauty that's the beauty of your story right you saw so many um you had so many injuries and you never gave up on it so how what 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 was happening so there what i would say is this i think you know I, there's some lessons that took from the streets and one of those lessons is you know the the need to have grit the need to have mm. the need to keep fighting despite yeah. circumstances despite your obstacles and i remember every time i got hurt the first time i got hurt um you know for 
my injury, I had two bulges discs, two degenerative discs in my lower back and sciatica, oh. my right and left leg. So, you know, it was almost every time I woke up, you know, I was in bed rest for a couple months at one point. Uh, and every time I woke up and I started walking, it was as if, you know, we have a sciatic nerve that travels from our lower back all the way to our right and left legs, uh, left uh, ankles, all the way to through our okay. knees, through our ankles. And it was almost as if, if you're, when you're walking, somebody's pulling this muscle uh, every time you take a step. So it was really painful. But I remember every time it would take me about a year to heal, you know, after strenuous exercises, you know, uh, after taking care of my back and all that, I would try to bounce back. And every time I would bounce back, you know, transfer schools or stay at the same school, start playing again. But, you know, as fate would have it, I played four season games in literally uh, uh, four years. So it was, you know, really sad for me because I was really, if I, if I could choose between playing and coaching, I would choose playing. I would never of course. Play. Yeah, but you, even you, to this you day, even to this day, I still try to play when I can. But right now, I'm sidelined right now, and I think I'll be sidelined for another two, three months because I decided two, three weeks ago that I was going to play some basketball, and you know my body's just not ready to play at that level You're, at all. Yeah, but you know, you know the whole idea, you know, the movie with Rocky, you know, you know fall down seven times, get up eight. You know, yeah. I, I really adopted that, um, you know, mindset for myself. You know, I fell down. You know, I had three major injuries, and every uh, after every uh, one of those injuries, I got back up and tried to play again. You know, my friends that's, can attest to that, and God, my God is my witness. That's resilience no right There's there. There's no quit by any means necessary. There's no quitting. Bro, There's that no is resilience B, right C, there. Plan B. Was, Love it. This was my plan B, C, D, E, F, G. <laughs> it was all basketball. I it love that. Bad. It was all basketball. So... How did you then get into, you got injured, you got injured many times. It was painful. You decided that, you know what? I, I still have so much love for this game, for this craft. I want to pass it over, pass it on to, to the young ones, right? To other passionate players. And then what happened in 2011, I believe you started the uh, Toronto Basketball Academy. Yeah. Tell so us Toronto more. Basketball Academy, as we know it, first started as the, um, the umbrella behind the umbrella organization of Dina Athletics, which was, uh -huh. just, uh, you know, uh, you know, just a skill development program that I just wanted to, you know, work other guys out. Some of, some of them were my friends that I, I played college basketball with and, and yeah. were, you know, up, up and coming high school basketball stars. And then from there, you know, there was a need, you know, I think, uh, you know, people like what we did and they wanted us to start a team. So we started a summer circuit program where, you know, we went to the States and we played across Canada. And, you know, it started with one or two teams. And then at one point we had 11 teams and, you know, we're going all over the States, all over Canada, um, you know, just playing. And then from there, you know, I think our natural progression was to be right now where the Toronto Basketball Academy is entering its sixth year. And it is the second nice. oldest uh, preparatory high performance prep basketball program in the city of Toronto. Um, Amazing. You know, it's, you know, I, I, I'm happy and fortunate to say you know, and, and happy to be have had played a pivotal role, but the most beautiful yeah. part about it right now is the Tell first me. player to ever play for me, the first player to ever play at the Toronto Basketball Academy is now the head coach of the program, steering the program in a different direction to new heights. Amazing. And that's special. And that is special. He started literally from the ground up as the first person, as a pioneer, and now he's training the next gen as well. That's beautiful. I love that. And how many, how many kids have passed through this uh, strenuous so program. If we to, so if we were to, so we've had, 
I mean, if we connect, you know, our training programs, our uh, AAU teams and our prep teams, you know, we're looking at at least, you know, five to a thousand, thousand, uh, thousand kids. But if yeah. it was just, you know, our prep program, you know, we've had, um, you know, 69 individual scholarships in the last five years. Uh, wow. Every single kid that has graduated from the program has earned a basketball scholarship. To every single graduate. Every wow. single one. Every you know, there's single. Two, there's two anomalies who had opportunities, scholarship opportunities that just turned them down because they wanted to, you know, pursue different educational pursuits. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, other education ambition, but they had, you know, basketball, you know, scholarship opportunity. Just, mm -hmm. you know, they just didn't want to pursue it. But otherwise, you know, we're at 100% of our, you know, graduating athletes have, uh, you know, moved on to play college basketball on basketball scholarship. That's amazing. So any, any of you who's listening to us right now is an aspiring basketball player, reach out to Adil, get to his academy. They have a 100% rate of getting you into college with this basketball scholarship. That's beautiful, man. I love it. I love the fact that how you have integrated the aspect of sports, basketball with education, and you're not letting either one of that go. You're saying, you know, carry both of those together and that's what you did that's what you did and you saw success and transformation in yourself and your life and that's and that's beautiful um and i think now, i think uh, yeah know, tell the me. way i approach it too is the way my mother approaches me i'm persistent with each one of these kids you know they it's like you know they can't get this fly off their back you know, coming right back. You know, I told, I told, I told you to do this, you know, this way. But the next day, I'm gonna tell you the same thing, but in another way. But one way or another, you gotta figure it out. And one you way gotta way, figure that's, it out. That's gonna happen. And we all need that type of mentors, that type of coaches that you are in our lives to help us become better versions of ourselves. And I love the fact that you're doing such a great service to the youth of tomorrow, the leaders of of, of tomorrow for that. So you know, on behalf of all of Toronto, thank you so much for doing what you're doing. That's amazing. We, we love what you're doing. That's just a small uh, part of our responsibility. You know, we have an ethical and a social responsibility to care absolutely. for ourselves, to be able to stand on our own two feet, and then to be able to, you know, transfer, have that transfer of knowledge, you know, within our households, but then also to our neighbors. And our neighbors, right. to me, are the people that uh, I had a chance to coach. Right. So, so and, that, and that's so, that's so true, man. And, you know, it's, 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 it's great when you, when people, when I at least see people like you giving back to the community, giving back to our youth and making sure we are building the right leaders of tomorrow because, hey, guess what? They're the ones who are going to be ruling the world tomorrow. We got to make sure they are equipped with the right tools, with the right mindset and, you know, more power to you for doing what you're doing. Somebody just said happy birthday, Adil. So I feel it was your birth. It's your birthday today. Belated, belated, belated. Happy, happy belated birthday. Happy belated birthday. That's awesome, man. So Adil, um, tell me a little bit more about your coaching journey. You started basketball, the Toronto Basketball Academy. You went to New University of New Brunswick. You moved to Waterloo. Um, after two, two, 2011, I think you have, you have graduated by then. What's happening now in your life? I think, and tell me the journey from that point onwards all the way to NCAA. How did that happen well, all the way? 
I got, I got, I think, you know, I try to apply to a couple uh, university jobs in the city of Toronto and, you know, uh -huh. the first couple guys, you know, turned me down. The last person I reached out was to Coach Rana and they had the number one team in the country. And I didn't think he would take me, especially after all the other teams turned me down. And they were which, which team was this? Uh, Ryerson University. Ryerson, Ryerson. Yeah, Ryerson. so they were, you know, it was between them and Carlton, you know, that were heading uh -huh. Uh, Carlton won the last 17 of 19 NCAA, I mean, uh, CIS championships. Yeah. So I didn't think they were going to turn me down, but for me, I was going to shoot my shot. And and that's important, right? Uh, Someone tried to call. Uh, <laughs> that's shot. okay. Yeah, I um, shot my shot, and uh, he said, you know, come up with a presentation tomorrow. And I said, okay. So I came up with a presentation. He said, I'm taking you to dinner. I had the presentation in my, I took my presentation and laptop and we're having dinner. And yeah. he didn't even look at the presentation. He said, okay, uh, you know, uh, you ready to start? I said, yeah. He said, okay, start tomorrow. But, and he even asked me, you know, he looked through the uh, presentation, but it wasn't so much. He just wanted to see, you know, the design, if I did it properly. You know, I, I almost stayed up all night and, you know, I got an opportunity to coach with him. You know, we were fortunate Thanks. to take Ryerson you know, all sports at Ryerson to their first national championship game two years in a row. You know, I was able to recruit some difference makers in those two years. And, you know, from there, I was able to leverage that experience yeah. and, you know, my relationship at the Toronto Basketball Academy to, you know, heads, you know, south uh, to coach uh, in, the, in, a, in the junior college world. And uh, I coach junior college basketball. Um, we had, you know, a top 25 team, top 15 for major, major nice. the season. Um, and then from there, you know, uh, you know, I did well there, recruited some difference makers. I was able to, you know, bring some of my technical background and some of my relationships, um, you know, you know, south of the border. And, you know, I was able to leverage that experience to be able to, you know, get to Chicago State where, you know, some of my former players who I didn't have a chance to coach in their final years, I was yeah. able to coach them in their first years. Uh, oh, beautiful. So that was beautiful. That was, that is beautiful. I love, I love the fact that, you know, they ask you to, at Ryerson, they ask you to do the presentation. You work, you, you, you burn the midnight lamp, you do it, and they didn't, don't even look at it. They're just like, this guy has the desire. This guy has the passion. And that yeah, piece and, is so important. And, and that's what they say. You know, my coach said to me, look, there's two types of people in this world. There's ones that they have such a desire that you got to control their desire. And yeah. then there's others that don't have any desire and you got a lot of fire on them so that they have a desire. Wow, and, I love that. You know, he said to me, he said, you have so much desire, I got to control that desire. So, and I'd rather have people that have desire rather than the ones that don't have desire and I got to put a so fire there, you know, uh, but so you got to want it for, 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 for him to work with you. So right. I, that was a, that was a life, life lesson for myself. So for me, when I started coaching, I was looking for the same kind of, same quality of players. Th those that wanted to play, those that wanted to play hard, those had, that had... The looking for the desire. Grit. Yeah, desire. You know, that's a, that's a skill. That's a skill, right? Yeah, And if you absolutely. had that desire, and you could communicate that desire, and all we had to do was to control that desire, by me. But if you and, didn't have that desire and you had the skill, then I'm not sure if I was the coach for you. Right, and because that is so true. To, it, it is difficult to light a fire on somebody and make them absolutely, you know, play harder and work harder. It's very difficult to get people motivated if they are motivated and they don't have the skills. They're they, what I call that is that they're coachable, right? They're coachable. 
they have that open mindset. They have the mindset, the learner's mindset. They're willing to learn because of that desire. And that's what, whether you're in sports or in academia or in the corporate world, that is what, for example, the recruiters are looking for. They're not looking whether you can you check off these boxes and of technical capabilities. They're looking for the fact that, do you have the desire in you? Do you have the passion to learn? Do you have a learner's mindset? And I loved how you just, you said, Adil, that this is something that's, uh, you can learn. It's a skill. It's not something you're just born with, right? You, 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 you can learn how to build that grit. You can learn how to develop that learner's mindset, what we call as the growth mindset, right? These are all skills that we can, that can be taught. And if you want to learn those things, Adil's the guy. I'm the guy. You got to come talk to us. We'll help you out. In, the, in, in, in developing those skills. Though, and these are the intangible, the non-cognitive skills that we talk about, right? The non-cognitive, which unfortunately in this world, they are really, really undervalued, really, really undervalued, right? But they're so important for our success in all facets of our life. Adil, uh, great story. I'm loving it. I want you to, before, before, we, uh, before we wrap up, I want you to pass on some wisdom, some learnings from your life, from your career, from your experiences on the court, off the court to the young ones, especially the young ones in terms of what should they do? What kind of lessons would you impart on them if they want to get on this journey um, of success? And if they look at you as a as a role model and inspiration, what should they what what can they learn from you? What I would say that is very simple. The condition of the people does not change until they change themselves. And Gandhi, reflecting on this, said, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. So if you have an opportunity, if you want to be, if you want to be a basketball player, be the best version of yourself, right? Have, take, you know, take a calculated and, and a measurable approach in how you decide to go on about it. Right. Be realistic with your dreams. You know, be flexible. Have a plan. Have a process. You know, you have to have a pro- you have to embrace a process oriented approach rather than a goal oriented approach, because that goal oriented repro- approach is at most times going to you know be futile. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. It's going to lead to disappointments or or overachievement. You're going to be content really you know early. And be scared of complacency. For complacency yeah. is the death of desire. And to end, if, if you're, it's the death of desire. And if you're complacent and if we think we made it, then we might as well quit. There's no need yeah. to go further. That's it. I love, I love it, man. I love how you said that. You wrapped up the whole essence of the growth mindset in such a beautiful way about being um, process-oriented. Don't look at the... Uh, don't look at the outcomes and, you know, don't be complacent. Love it. I loved it. I really, really, I, I, I'm so honored that you were with us. You joined us and you uh, shared your story with everybody who joined us. Thank you so much. And you shared your story with them. I'm sure I feel so inspired right now. I'm a hundred percent sure you were able to uh, inspire so many different people who watched uh, your interview. 
What you just learned has given you new knowledge, but knowledge is not power. It is potential power. It only becomes power when you activate your learning. I invite you to leave a review with your learnings from this episode. You can also take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your favorite social media channel with your feedback, comments, questions, and learnings. And tag me at I am Omar Padri. Because when you synthesize your learning by writing them down, you transport them from your short-term memory to your long-term memory. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode to learn better and grow faster.